Well, another week of college football is in the books. The very first, very important week one of the college football season is in the books. And this is another episode of the riveting college football podcast, Running for the Roses, a Rose Bros production. I am, of course, Patrick Wagner, joined by my crack shot team. In this case, only one of them is in today, Mr. Ryan Bathalukas. Ryan, how did we like the first official week of college football? Boy, wasn't it nice? Um, I was a little under the weather this weekend, so I was able to just kind of sit home and watch college football all day. And it was uh, it was a great it was great. I mean, you know, week zero we had talked about last week, um, just a little appetizer. And now coming in in week one with a full slate of games and just a, a stacked week one. I know that, you know, we're going to go over some of those here in a little bit, but just a great week one. You had big games in every window, the morning window, the afternoon Watched some Pac-12 after dark with U of A and BYU playing a pretty good game there in Vegas. So it was great to have college football back. I loved um, Lucas and I were talking on the phone last night and we both loved how the TV production crews made sure to capture the moment Mm -hmm. really well of some of the traditions that were missed last year. Like Enter Sandman, you saw ESPN did the whole Virginia Tech intro on Thursday. You saw with Wisconsin jump around. Fox stayed through that commercial break and, and showed just an insane scenes there in Madison. So it was great. It was great to have college football back. Um, Patrick, I know you watched a lot of college football as well. Yeah. What were your, uh, what did so, you think about having college football back? So, so after week zero, you're right. A week zero was like the amuse bouche of like, <laughs> of like college. Football. I was like, I was like, I want, I know what's coming. I know what's coming. And I can honestly say, I think this is, not only is this the most important, not only was this the best week one I think we've ever seen in college football, like in just terms of matchups, when games were played, how things were lined up. But I think this was one of the most important week ones because college football, by definition, is the one sport where fans literally make all the difference in the world. Yeah. Like it's college football. It's game days on Saturdays in a lot of these small towns and college towns across the country. You know, Wisconsin without Wisconsin fans is you know, it's just, not I remember there. sitting there when the big 10 season opened last year, it was Wisconsin and Illinois on like a Friday night. And it just looked weird. The yeah. camp Randall was empty. It was just such a weird, surreal feeling. Yeah. Oh, and, and with the mics and you could hear the guys, every time they'd snap the football, their, their snap would echo. And you're like, that's not what this is supposed to be. So I think this was a really good week. Um, as far as, yeah, so kind of big picture, like this was great. Um, there's some really great storylines. I know we're going to talk about a couple of them here. Um, some really important, you know, big stories as far as athletes coming back. Um, just, you know, programs that we thought might be good and turned around. Maybe they're not. I mean, this was an eye-opening weekend just on the field, too. So I know we're going to talk about a couple games here. Actually, we're going to talk about a lot of games here. Um, I think the first thing we need to talk about, I mean, I know it's not fair because he's not here to defend his team, but I think the, the 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 big game that I kind of watched and I was like, God, this looks awful, was that Wisconsin-Penn State game. Yeah. Like, let's get it right out of the gates. This was not a good football game by any measure of anything. Um you know, with the Big Ten, we usually we usually expect games to be low scoring. We're not we're not expecting there to be a forty five to thirty eight you know run them off the field game. Um, but the game just wasn't it wasn't a clean football game by by any measure. Uh, Graham Mertz, who we thought was going to be good, wasn't. Um, even looking just I mean just you know kind of in the micro like he threw a couple interceptions where it wasn't like he threw an interception where like a defensive back made a really great play. He just threw the ball to nobody. Um, and then we'll, we'll talk about Notre Dame kind of more in completion, but then when you compare the performance of him versus the guy, he replaced Jack Cohn. Yeah. I mean, it's night and day. What, 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 you, I think you, and I, I, you and I watched a fair amount of the game. What, what were you, what were you thinking about? Yeah. That? So I, I, I think a couple of things, I, I think we're seeing more and more of these conference openers, right? Where, mm-hmm. In years past, Wisconsin would have opened against an FCS team, and then they would have played a, a MAC team. Or... Yeah, right. And when you when you play a really good ranked football team, and I, you know, I thought Penn State was very desperate in that game. You know, Penn State had a bad season last year. James Franklin felt a little bit of the heat, and I felt that they were a little bit more desperate to come out and and say we are still Penn State. 
the big storyline for Wisconsin is Graham Mertz, right? Because Wisconsin has been that program for the last handful of years that seemingly was just missing a quarterback. Can they get an elite quarterback? Well, they signed one in 2019. That was that was Graham Mertz, who was a top 100 player, the number five quarterback in the country, according to 24-7. And, and finally, people thought Wisconsin's going to have their quarterback. Maybe he becomes their Deshaun Watson. Maybe he becomes... Um, you know, one of these quarterbacks that just like a, a Johnny Menzel that just elevates a program. You know, 2019, he didn't start. Jack Cohn started. Wisconsin makes the Rose Bowl. 2020, Jack Cohn leaves and Graham Merch is the guy. You obviously you have the COVID. You're just a weird time. So this was our first chance to really see Graham Mertz um, in a bit of a normal setting. And and I, I think like you, Patrick, I was just underwhelmed. Um, and I know it was the first game of the season. I know there was no FCS preseason game for them to kind of work out some kinks, but it, it just wasn't good. Um, and it felt kind of like the same old Wisconsin, right? I mean, Graham Mertz ended up being 22 with 37, a buck 85 and two picks. Um, he threw a costly one late that you're right. Patrick was just a bad throw that Penn State was able to read uh, very clearly. And the defender jumped the route. Wisconsin looked like a typical Wisconsin team. They ran the ball well. They ran the ball a lot. Uh, they ran a lot of fullback and a lot of 12 personnel. But the, you know, evolution of this Wisconsin program that we thought was going to happen with Graham Merch just didn't happen. And it's one game. We could look back and Wisconsin could go 10-2 and two and win the division. But with how good Iowa looked against uh, Indiana, which maybe we'll talk about as well. But, mm-hmm. um you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what this team can be. I, I have some questions and, and Patrick, it doesn't get easier as in two weeks, you've got Notre Dame. Yeah. And like I said, and then it's really going to be Jack Cohn versus Graham Mertz. Um, I look, looking back on the Wisconsin game, you're right. You ran the, they ran the ball. They only managed 10 points. Now you might be saying, well, that, I mean, they, they only gave up 16. I was like, yeah, well, was, oh, Wisconsin, def- the Wisconsin defense has been one of the most remarkable defenses in college football over the last two or three years, especially under the the stewardship of Jim Leonard. Um, They rush the passer while they kind of keep things in control. But the problem is on the flip side of that, because Wisconsin wasn't scoring points, like it just didn't, it didn't do anything. And and we, you and I were talking about this on, on Saturday where we were watching some games is with Graham Mertz. We've just like, with the exception of the one game that he started his first game last year that he started, he went, you know, he threw, you know, what was it, 18 completions in a row, a couple touchdowns. Like, with yeah. the exception of that, I mean, well, this is kind of what we've been getting out of Graham Mertz. And if he's got the keys to the kingdom, you know, where 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 is that growth and development? So, but you and I talked about this too, where it's like, you know, there's a lot of really great five-star quarterbacks who just end up not being good. They just they just don't. So, um, I don't I don't think the book is out on Graham Mertz just yet. But I feel like in a Wisconsin program that it's not always about who the who the most talented guy is, but who the most prepared and kind of you know best guy is. Um, it might be it's going to be it's going to be an interesting storyline to follow, especially if things don't work right. before Notre Dame. Well, and like let's just look at Graham Mertz's game log last year. I mean, against Illinois, like you said, twenty to twenty one, two forty eight, and five touchdowns look great. <laughs> Against Michigan, he so he he gets COVID. He comes back against Michigan, 20, 12 of 22, 127 yards, two touchdowns. Against Northwestern, 23 of 41 for 230, three interceptions. Against uh, Indiana, 20 of 34 for 202 and a pick. And against Iowa, 20 of 38 for a buck 69 and an interception. So yeah. you're right. I mean, listen, he's we'll see if this gets better. I, I do also want to have the, the caveat of his first game of the season. Again, so good team. I mean, Penn State likely is going to finish second in the East. They maybe they contend with Ohio State. Yeah, um, it's it's a good team. It's a, it's it's a tough opener, right? It's not like ASU opening against Southern Utah. It's not like you know when a a tip like um, you know I was just like uh, Al- you know, Alabama plays. You know the sisters. Well, I was even going like- to say like when Michigan opens up against Western Michigan. Uh, this was a really difficult game. It, it was a statement game for both teams. And I do right. want to say Penn State. I thought Penn State made a good statement. Sean Clifford made some big throws, especially in that second half. Statement for Penn State. They, they get Auburn, yeah. I think, next week. Yeah. Um, so the schedule doesn't get too much easier for them. And then they have to play teams like Michigan. They have to play Ohio State. 
but this was a big win for Penn State. I think James Franklin, he, like you could tell this was this was one that he was relieved. When that final interception happened and they kind of iced that game, James Franklin was relieved because this was a big one for him because the whispers were starting about James Franklin. You know, is he going to look to jump ship? Is he on the hot seat? And this was a huge win on the road in a crazy environment, as Lucas will tell us here um, yeah. a little later. Just a crazy atmosphere. So yeah. good, good, good win for Penn State, Wisconsin. It's not over yet, but you got some issues. Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of staying in the Big Ten. I know we had kind of mentioned this game as one of those games where it's like you could easily jump on and see the score and see the home team, the big brand, down 12, 15 points and think, oh, my God, what's happening? Well, Twitter's blowing up. Um, let's talk about Michigan. Going into the season, I felt that no coach was under more pressure than Jim Harbaugh. He signs the extension that's incentive-laced, um, that's going to make continue to make him a very wealthy man um, if he holds up his end of the bargain. Um, what, did, what did we think about the Wolverines kind of showing up for the first time this season, you know, as far as just, hey, let's go in there, do what we're supposed to do. We're Michigan and kind of get out of there with a win, because I think a lot of us kind of thought, hey, if there was some money to be made. This would be a good upset pick. Yeah, I mean, this is one I joked about with Lucas last week of like, you know, it's on it. It was on at 9 a.m. Pacific time where I live. So it's it's you know, you wake up, you're focused on Penn State, Wisconsin. All of a sudden you look over, it's 1410 Western Michigan in the third quarter. That was not the case. <laughs> uh, Michigan, Michigan was up 27, seven at halftime. Kate McNamara looked very good. Nine of 11, 136 yards, two, two touchdowns. The five star freshman J.J. McCarthy comes in for uh, four of six for 80 yards and a touchdown. Michigan ran the ball well. They had 335 rushing yards, averaging almost eight yards a carry. Um, yeah, this was a good one for Michigan. Um, and and this was one that um, no jokes were needed. They took care of business. They did lose uh, their best receiver for the season um, as uh, Ronnie Bell is going to miss the rest of the season after getting mm -hmm. injured in week one. So that's a huge loss. Uh, they get Washington this week. Washington, um, maybe we'll touch on the Pac-12 here soon, but Washington yeah. with maybe the ultimate stinker losing to FCS Montana. So we'll see. Like that the game bridge. is on. That's the, So like that's the prime time ABC game, like 730 Eastern. Um, <laughs> I think ABC might be kicking us up a little bit after Washington just kind of lays an egg. But, you know, listen, we'll see with Michigan. I, I think with Michigan – Right. Are uh, you just going to say the Grizz every every eight seconds now? The Grizz. Okay, here we go. Well, all right. Um, I think with Michigan, you know, Indiana just looked terrible against Iowa. I mean, just yeah, Iowa. Yeah, Iowa. Thirty-one-three at halftime. They lose thirty-four to six. I believe was the final score. I, I don't know if I don't. Okay, so watching, looking back at that game, I don't know if that was a function of Indiana looking bad or Iowa making them look bad. You know what I mean? Well, you know, Iowa scored, I think, two defensive touchdowns. Yeah. Um, Penix when threw you, three touchdowns or three interceptions on yeah. on Saturday. Like, that's not okay. And, and like, that's, listen, like, that's like a, that, that's a huge part of it, right? Turnovers and, and big plays and, and again, a hard opener, right? You're, yeah. you're Indiana. And you go right, on the road. You're Indiana. You, you, you go on the road to Kinnick Stadium, where they didn't have fans last year. Again, crazy atmosphere. And unlike Penn State, like, you just got blitzed. I mean, you just got, <laughs> just got worked from the start. Like, like right that, out was like, that was like 14 nothing five minutes into the game. Yeah, like, you just get you just get wallipopped. Like, it just happens. And so, um, I don't know if that's more of an indication on Iowa. Again, Iowa's got a big one this week against Iowa State. Um, so... But you look at Michigan, like, there's a chance now. Like, Indiana, I don't think it's going to be as good. But Michigan State beats Northwestern on the road. A big win. They're, they're running back, Kenneth Walker, a, a Wake Forest transfer, rushes for 264 yards. Uh, just destroys Northwestern. Penn State beats Wisconsin on the road. So the East, the, you know, Big Ten East showed up. And the I don't want to say Indiana was smoking mirrors last year or it was a fluke, but maybe they got a little... Maybe they got a little exposed uh, against Iowa. Yeah, the Big Ten, the Big Ten West does not look good. Just like kind of in general, just like Nebraska did beat Fordham. So there you go. 
They uh, <laughs> big 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 win for them. Um, but yes, you're right. Like Northwestern, Northwestern's just this kind of weird program where like they have really high highs like last year, and then they're just every couple years there's a four and eight in there. You know, every couple years there's a we can't score anything, and th- I mean they actually scored some points. They just couldn't stop anyone. Like Northwestern giving up almost 300 yards to one running back is unheard of. So. <laughs> They've got some things to figure out. Illinois, my fighting Brett Brett Bielema's lose to UTSA. I had been commenting and telling people that was the lock of the week was uh, Illinois, like minus five, five and a half, four and a (laughs) half, whatever you got it at. And they just were playing catch up all night. They lose to UTSA. Uh, Iowa right now looks like the best team in that in that division. And we'll see. Um, I am there four and a half point dogs. I'll be picking them this week to beat Iowa state, Iowa state did not look very good against Northern Iowa. So I don't know. Like the, I think the thing with week one, it's so hard because you, you, you want to overreact like, you know, Lucas and I are going to do some overreactions later. Yeah. You want to overreact, but you also have to be like, all right, it's week one. But also, but also like, relax. I feel like, I feel like in week one, I, there is some overreactions, but also like, I feel like the good teams were good. Like there were teams this week that like, we knew were going to be good. Oh, and surprise, surprise, they were. Um, I think the, the <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't always like to take the low-hanging fruit, but here we go. Um, I think the game that you said I should have turned off at halftime, but I continued to watch. You kept watching it. I don't know why you did that. <laughs> was, was Alabama's uh, rather uninspired, but torrential ass-kicking of the University of Miami. Like... Like the final score ended up being a uh, forty-four to thirteen, but that game could have been seventy to three, and it still like Miami just did not look good. Alabama, I like the Alabama team last year. They offensively they were just stellar last year. This year, I'm convinced that this Alabama team on every layer of the game is better than every other team they're going to play, and that's usually the case. But f- watching them against a top 15 team in Miami, like they're just way better than everybody else. And I want to believe that there's another team that's going to be like, yeah, we're going to be good. Clemson didn't look good. Georgia only managed 10 points. No offensive touchdowns either. Yeah. Like, you know, Ohio state let Minnesota kind of stay in there, let Minnesota get out ahead in that game and then had to, to come back. Like, you know, and if and if Mo Ibrahim doesn't, you know, hurt himself, he probably runs for 250 yards. So, like, it, it, Alabama take took care of business. And so it's just it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I want to say I that think it's going to be a race for second place. But like, that's what yeah. it seems like. When you look at the teams around Alabama in, in the rankings, because the other team that you, you really didn't mention was Oklahoma. I mean, uh, Oklahoma. Yeah, I figure we. Oklahoma, you know, <laughs> needs to pull one out by the hair of their chinny chin chin against Tulane, a team that's been practicing in Birmingham at the or uh, they've been using Alabama's facilities to to practice because of Hurricane Ida. Do you, do you think some of some of the some of the Bama magic rubbed off on Tulane? <laughs> that's what somebody said. Somebody said on Twitter there said if only they had a couple couple more days of practice there, they want to beat Oklahoma. Like like Nick Saban um, Nick Saban wandered over and was like, here are the secrets, my child. Yes. Like something like that. Like, but it's like, it's like, like here's here's the here's the scheme we're gonna use against Spencer Rattler. I know we have the dogs to do it. See if you guys can try it so that way I get some game film. Oklahoma was almost it's in a really tough spot because they have a really blue chip freshman quarterback named Caleb Williams, who I saw was almost trending on Twitter because people are saying he's better than Spencer Rattler. Keep in mind, Spencer Rattler is projected to be the first quarterback picked in the draft next year, but Rattler didn't look very good. Um, the defense didn't look very good and Tulane was in a position to win that ball game. So Oklahoma struggles against Tulane. Ohio State, like I thought, looked pretty good, but they had some issues in the first half against Minnesota. Again, conference game, first game of the season on the road on a Thursday night in prime time. Tough for Ohio State, so I'm not going to say they looked bad, but they didn't blow the doors off Minnesota. Um, Georgia Clemson, like neither of them really looked like they, I mean, the Georgia offense, we keep saying, are they going to open it up? Are they going to open it up? And they didn't. They got their only touchdown on a, on a pick six. Um, 
Texas A&M, the final score looks great, but I believe they were up 10-3 to at halftime That's against correct. Kent State, and they That's just kind of turned it on. Um, so, yeah, it was an interesting – and even like, you know, Notre Dame struggles at Florida State after being up by 18. They let Florida State take that game to overtime. So, Iowa State, who's a preseason top 10 team, beats Northern Iowa by one score. So, there were some – less than stellar performances from the quote unquote blue bloods from the, the top 10 teams, except for Alabama, you know, yeah. Bryce Young looked great. Um, they had this stud freshman tight end from Utah. That looks really good. The defense looks great. I mean, it's just now listen, you know, Miami, like De'Ara King tore his ACL like nine months ago, eight and yeah. a half months ago. So don't know if he was fully able to do what he wanted to do as far as from an athletic standpoint. Um, and Miami just didn't like. There was just nothing they could do. Derek you're, King you're, also you're, you're not, sitting there. Not to change the point, Derek King looks like he put on some weight this off season, as if almost to say like he needed to get like. For some reason, he just looks bigger. Like as if he was saying, "I need to put on some mass because I'm going to be standing here in the pocket taking these hits," versus being the kind of slip slick escape artist we saw a year ago, like. I don't know. Maybe that's just something I saw, but he looked bigger than he did a year ago. Or maybe because he couldn't work. Well, out you know, he may not have had, uh, he may not have had time to, you know, he was, he was rehabbing. I mean, or maybe he's just doing it, a lot of this, just a lot of, you know, yeah, a lot of, upper, lot body. upper body. Lot Which upper is body. fine. I mean, so, you know, you gotta, if you're going to be kind of a, a slick escape artist, sometimes you need to be a little bit bigger, take a little bit more hits. I was always afraid that like one of these defensive linemen was going to like catch Kyler Murray sleeping but guess not what else uh what else stood out for you patty uh texas texas back question mark i mean they're there i mean this was the first time i've seen i've i've seen a texas team who was expected to win against the top 25 team not find some way to like absolutely fall apart um the one of the newest members of the sec soon to be adjusted um i think took care of business against against the raging cajuns of louisiana you know somebody said it was like it was just a nice easy win for texas yeah. it was like a win where like there was nothing i mean the first half was not great but they really turned it on hudson card looked good Bijan robinson is is excellent that was the game i was most kind of mm-hmm. keeping an eye on um in that afternoon window and it was just a very kind of business-like performance. And listen, like Louisiana is a top 25 team. They were a really good team last year. They're a really good group of five team. They got a great coach. And Texas just kind of, I'm not going to say they steamrolled them, but they didn't have trouble with them. I mean, it, it was, wasn't, it was it a was, business-like performance. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was nice to see a Texas team. Because I'd say college football is better when Texas is good. Like, you can't have this, you know super brand not be good and just to see see to see that steve sarkeesian has put in his program and his program seems to work they come out beat a top 25 team and kind of just you know all right we're all done we're in austin we're at home we're gonna hang 38 points win by 20 yep business as usual it was nice to see um so let's talk about the program here that is nearest and dearest to our hearts um, and that would be the Arizona State Sun Devils. Woo! Orkham. So here's the thing. Say, after looking at what the Pac-12 did this weekend, can we honestly say we're upset that they won the way they did? Like as a collection of a conference, like because there, I mean, there were some good conference performances, but I mean, with Washington laying again, laying an egg against. Well, the, the Pac-12 South looked really good. The Pac-12 North did not. Like, that's the storyline, right? USC yeah. beat San Jose State, who won the Mountain West last year. UCLA beats ASU LSU. wins. UCLA beats LSU, which is something that we should address. Yes. And Utah blows out their FCS team. Uh, I thought U of A looked decent against BYU. Yeah. Like, I thought they looked I, better than I thought they would. I, I can tell the difference in the U of A versus a Kip. So, as someone who lives in Tucson, I mean, U of A football isn't near or dear to my heart. But, like you kind of just pay attention to it because it's always around. Yeah. And those Kevin Sumlin coach teams just, you could tell that Kevin Sumlin just didn't give a shit. Like he was there. 
to make money and have a job. He was not there to build a program. And now under Mr. Jeff, this, you could tell that this program, like, all right, we, we moderately give a shit again. Do I think the Wildcats will be better? I mean, they're at least going to be more engaged. And clearly we saw that against BYU, but the last time out, I mean, the last time out the Wildcats played a football game, they got hosed 70 to seven. Like that's what that was. So now to see a Wildcat program, Again, not win, but at least compete, I think would be it, – it, is, is good to see. And But, yes, you're right. The Pac-12 South did take so care like, of their business. But the with ASU, like, they they had – now, full disclosure, I only watched the first half because it was a 7.45 kickoff, and I was sick and tired and wanted to go to sleep. Um, 11 penalties in the first half. ASU's best pass rusher ejected for targeting about four minutes into the game, five minutes into the game. Um, it was sloppy. It, it was kind of like what you would expect for a first game. Um, they end up beating Southern Utah 41-14. I will say this. Southern Utah, just the way they looked, was they just didn't look like a Division One team. They were small. The, they could, I, I was texting friends earlier in the game and said, I don't think Southern Utah should score a point in this game. And they ended up, it was 13-7 to after the first quarter. Um. The bright spots for ASU is that they're going to be able to run the ball on anyone. They got great running backs. They got great depth. Jaden Daniels, I thought, played okay. I think they might have some issues at receiver with Frank Darby gone and some young guys that need to kind of step up to fill that role. Again, what do you – I don't know what there is to take out of this game. Um, they get UNLV this week. UNLV lost to Eastern Washington on, uh, I think, Thursday or Friday. So again, I don't know what they're going to get. Then they go at BYU the following week. So that's that's the non-conference. But you're right, Patrick. A, a win's a win. You look at what happened to Washington. Cal loses to Nevada. Washington State loses to Utah State. Oregon State loses to Purdue. Washington loses to Montana. Oregon barely escapes. They had a tough game with Fresno. But Fresno's going to be pretty good, I think. So... Up and down week for the Pac-12. What 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 were your general impressions of the Conference of Champions? So, <laughs> all right. So my general thing is this: um, it's good to see USC be good because I know that there were some concerns with Keaton Slovis on like whether or not he was really going to take that like next step. Like, is he the next you know big thing as far as quarterbacks at USC? Um, UCLA beating LSU. I was actually really, I've been really impressed this season with Chip Kelly's squad just because I, I half expected UCLA to kind of come out and just be mildly disappointing all year. Like I just expected them to not be good and to come out, they're running the football. Um, they can, they're, they're putting up points. So, I mean, they're no, I mean, it's no, no, it's no small task to put up 38 points on an SEC defense. Like we know, even though LSU's not good, LSU still gets dudes. They still have good players. That isn't anything to think about. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Pac-12 North just kind of as a collection. I I paid. I was paying pretty close attention to that Oregon Fresno State game, as we both were, and it was just like it just looked like Oregon just was not. I don't know. They just looked very disengaged, like. Like, well, you know, listen, part of it might be they they had Ohio State this week, right? Yeah. So so maybe you are looking ahead. And listen, Oregon's best player went out in the first half, Kayvon Thibodeau, wow, yeah. with an ankle injury, lower body injury. So that also may have been an impact. Yeah, and that, and that very well. And I mean, you still gave up 24 points to Fresno State, who you're right, we expect to be at least decent. But if you're coming in as the 11th best or 11th ranked team in the country and the, as many people expect, the one great hope for the Pac-12 to have a competitor in the college football playoff, like, I mean, I don't find week one is kind of like a resume builder week. Um, I usually think by like week five, when we start actually talking about resumes and college football playoffs and those kinds of things, that that's when we need to start looking. But this was just not a... This was not a banner week for the Pac-12. Like, it just wasn't. No, I mean, because the three big brands in the Pac-12 right now are USC, Oregon, and Washington. Those are the three programs that have the most recent success. Those are the two programs in Oregon and Washington that have made the college football playoff 
from the Pac-12. And listen, Washington losing to Montana is a disaster. I mean, the the offense looked awful. They stuck with the same quarterback. And, and, they didn't and not go just, to their and not just lost. Like let, let's be clear, this is not just losing. This is you scored seven points in the first quarter and then nothing else. It'd be one thing yeah. if if it was 38-37, you put up thirty seven points, your offense clicked, and you were able to score. And points. you lost on like a fluky. Hail yeah. Mary or miss miss extra points. You know there was like no. there was an offensive pass interference and a field goal that probably shouldn't have gone in. Did like it just just something like that. Yeah. But this was the Montana was able to hold Washington to seven points for sixty minutes of football. Your quarterback throws three interceptions. You don't even look to go to the bullpen. You just kind of go there and then. Not only that, you you're leading seven to three for three quarters, and and then you give up ten points, and boop, you lose the game. Like, it that can't happen. If you're a division, if you're a ranked division one football program, that can't happen. No, and I think especially with how the rest of the division looked. I mean, Washington, Stanford loses to Kansas State; they get blown out. Cal loses to Nevada. Oregon State loses to Purdue. Washington State, I mean, loses. Washington State loses to Utah State. The only team in that division that won a game was Oregon, and they looked less than stellar. I mean, that's crazy, right, to play though that many. You know, Cal and Washington State lose to Mountain West teams. Washington loses to an FCS team. Um, you know, Oregon State loses on the road to Purdue. That's probably the same kind of caliber of, of team. Yeah, I mean, I'll, it's I'll yeah, kind of bottom feeders of conferences. Like, you're not yeah. – but, um, you know, and then with with Oregon, like, they're going to have to figure out, is, is Anthony Brown going to be the guy? Because Ty Thompson, a freshman from Gilbert, five-star player, drew really good reviews in camp. And is it, you know, Anthony Brown is kind of the upperclassman, the leader, the more experienced guy, but how much longer is he going to get the job? I don't think they're going to beat Ohio State this weekend. That'd be my guess. And at the first sign of some more struggle, we'll see if they turn to a different quarterback. Yeah. Um, the Pac-12, I think, again, it's just, it's always wide open every year. I mean, it, I, I don't think Oregon's this elite team that's going to crash the playoff. USC, maybe. We'll see. They get Stanford this week, and, and they're like 18-point favorites because Stanford is not very good again. And it's, it's just interesting to see kind of these programs in the Pac-12 North that have been good the last decade or so kind of start to fall off. And, you know, Washington, like Chris Peterson really built them into that contender, that playoff contender, and he's gone. So this is now the second year for Jimmy Lake, first kind of real full season post-COVID. Um, and we'll see. Like sometimes you lose a coach and it really affects your program, like Sanford and Jim Harbaugh. You know, David Shaw upheld it for a handful of years, but just hasn't been the same. Yeah, it hasn't been the same. It hasn't been that same, like, yeah, that same Stanford caliber. And I look at Oregon and I go, for a while there, Oregon was untouchable. Like, Oregon was getting all the best players. Oregon was on every Saturday night. And I'm looking at the last few kind of recruiting cycles and even seasons. Oregon isn't this, like, routine powerhouse anymore. It's not like, you're right, they're not untouchable. So the Pac-12... Again, I think this is going to be another year where the highest-ranked Pac-12 team probably slips into the top 10, maybe. But I I think that every one of these schools probably leaves something to be desired. Now, as far as pathways to the college football playoff, really the only school that I really think has a solid pathway as far as like what's on their schedule and what they can do it has got to be the USC Trojans. Like yeah. they are going to have, they have Notre Dame on the schedule this year. So there's good. If you can get that, that's your statement win. Um, you know, there's, I just look at the PAC 12 and I go again, this is another year where because none of the teams are great, that there's not going to be this whole hierarchy of who's better than whom. That's going to allow us to kind of get to, all right. Yes, there's a there are two or three top ten teams, and we're gonna have to kind of go from there. So, yeah, I just I, again, it's gotta it's gonna be USC. But again, I think uh, the the Pac-12 champion sneaks into the top ten. They play in a Rose Bowl and they call it a, a call it a day. Yeah, and like again, like don't get me wrong. If USC goes undefeated, like they're gonna be in the playoff. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know if USC is going to be that good, though. I mean, Keith right. Slovis. I'll be honest. I didn't get a lot of eyes on on uh, San Jose State USC. Um, so I don't know exactly. I know USC's got a good team on paper. They're the favorite yeah. in the South. And, you know, listen, and, I mean, you all look good in there. And go ahead. Honestly, looking at the schedule, if there was a, if there wasn't a big game, USC could catch Notre Dame napping or not Notre Dame napping. They could catch Notre Dame kind of in a kind of in a tricky, tricky wicket here. If we're if we're forecasting all the way into October. Looking at the schedule again, this is probably USC's probably got to think like this is Notre Dame's going to play Toledo this week, Purdue, and then Wisconsin. Okay. Then they play Cincinnati, Virginia Tech, USC, North Carolina. Yeah. That is a hell of a gamut. And if, if let's just say Notre Dame beats Wisconsin, Cincinnati, and Virginia Tech, after three weeks where USC is kind of sitting there in the cut after playing a collection of, let's see. You know, so there, there's a very real possibility that if USC can catch Notre Dame, that we might be looking at kind of a, you know, okay, USC beat Notre Dame when Notre Dame was a top, you know, six team. USC kind of runs runs the shot and gets to the Pac-12 title game. Yeah, USC plays Stanford, Washington State, Oregon State, Colorado, Utah, and then Notre Dame. So they can't look past Utah, but there's a very real possibility that the the, the next big game after Notre Dame for USC is UCLA um, at home in the Coliseum. So, you know, it, it, there is a pathway here for USC. And I think that's the team. If you're a PAC 12 fan, that's the team that you have to kind of track to see what is going to happen as far as the college football playoff is concerned. Um, Before we do roses, is there anything else, uh, anything else from week one catch your eye here? No, I just think it's nice to have college football back. It's nice to have students and fans lovely. in the stands again. It was lovely to have a college football back. Like, I know we get the I know we get the NFL back. Um, you know the the real NFL back this week, but I don't think it's going to have the same level of, you know, kind of. Uh, There's not it's effect. Not. There 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 is nothing like the atmosphere of college football. If I think the NFL is a superior product on the field. College football is a superior product off the field. There's no, no, I don't think there's disputing that. Um, so it was, it was awesome to have fans back. It was awesome, especially in the, in the, in the Big Ten mm-hmm. and in the SEC. I mean, where college football oh. truly is a religion. Mm-hmm. Before we move on, do uh, we want? Do you want? To I said ad- SEC and something, something, something perked up here. No, uh, not the SEC. Um, you'd mentioned this school earlier, but I don't. We kind of just kind of moved past it. Um, I think that's probably because it happened on Friday, not on Saturday. Um, what the hell is up with North Carolina? Um, I think it's a combination of a tough opener, a really tough opener. And, you know, I think we kind of underestimated just how much North Carolina lost off of that team last year. I mean, Javante Williams, Michael Carter, Dynami Brown, they lost a lot of skill guys. And you could see they just couldn't score. They could not score. Um, yeah, they get they get into defense. like watching that game. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me. Kind of just the eye test. They had a hard time on first down, kind of getting those like first four or five yards. And whenever, whenever you're off schedule, you know, I, I've always heard coaches say, "Oh, the most important down. We got to do better on third down. We got to do better on third down. We got to do better on third down." I disagree with that entirely. In most contexts, when you can't move the football, you got to do better on first down. Like, how are you going to use your first play in your 10 yards to get as much as you can? And you're right. They could not move the football. They tried they they try to run it up the middle against Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech doesn't have a meaty defensive line. But I'm going to use my two favorite words that we always talk about on the pod. You know what those two favorite words are? Gap control. Stay frosty. Oh. Stay frosty. No, uh, gap control. Gap, gap control, control is important. Gap control. Gap control is important. And when you don't have gap control, then you're always going to run into problems. So, um, and North yeah, Carolina- and like again, I think North Carolina got a lot of hype. They were a top ten team. Um, and Sam Howell I saw a lot and, of people. And Sam Howell, I just he just wasn't. He just wasn't. You know what I mean? 
he wasn't able to elevate his team when the odds were against him, right? He wasn't able to, with the new receivers and new skill position and on the road in a tough environment, he wasn't able to propel his team to a, what would have been a huge win. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, I don't really know what that says about his pro prospects. I know he's projected to go pretty high in the draft right now. We've got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, North Carolina has been doing everything to elevate their program the right way. They're recruiting really well. There's a lot of excitement. They got a great quarterback. Feels like they're a year or two away. Now, the issue is Sam Howell's probably gone after this year. So next year, when they're a little older and some of their young players are a little bit more mature, they're going to be breaking in likely a new quarterback. So the timing's not great there. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't really know what this says about Virginia Tech. Like, is Virginia Tech the best team in the Coastal after watching Miami and North Carolina? I don't know. You know, I mean, Miami played the best team in the in the, in the country. Yeah, I, I got I, stomped. I, but like, if 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 Virginia were if the roles were reversed and Virginia played Alabama, I don't think or sorry, Virginia Tech. I don't think Virginia Tech's having much success either. No, so. I, I, I the Miami Alabama game was not an indictment on Miami. It was really just another coronation of Alabama. Like, all right, Alabama's good. Miami, uh, we're gonna have to see some as some ACC play because. After watching Clemson, like, is Clemson the best team in the ACC? Yes. Yes. (laughs) They are. You know why? Because who else would it? Who, who, like, it's not going to be anybody else. Like, if if Miami or if if North Carolina stomped Virginia Tech 45-10, yeah, that's a different story. But, like, Clemson still is right now. We'll see. Maybe it's NC State. And NC State went 45 DJ Youngle looked just bad. I don't Clemson scored three points, only three points in the fourth quarter. Like, I don't know. So the ACC, the ACC is going to be the crux of the whole thing. So, um, the yeah, the ACC, I, I, I'm very interested to watch. I think that might be my most. I think that might be my favorite conference to watch going forward because I don't think there was not an ACC team who made a really solid statement this week. Of like, I mean, no. Uh, I mean, so Pitt gets Tennessee this week. NC State goes at Mississippi State. So there's some interesting ACC games. You know, Florida State um, put up 38 on Notre Dame. But what is that? Florida State may have made the best statement of any team yeah. in the league, right? If you think yeah. about it, but the way they played against a good team. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, but I think this is a good week. I love a week one where there's a lot going on. So we're not sitting here and yeah. be like, this team beat up this really small team and paid them, you know, 50 grand to do so. Like, this was a good week. This was a good week, and I'm glad. I'm glad we got to watch some football. Got to sit down, kind of pace yourself. Um, I know you and I sat around and watched a lot of games together, which was kind of nice, and just to kind of see, yep. hey, there's a lot going on in college football. Week two is going to be on the books starting probably starting Friday night. There wouldn't be any Thursday games because I don't believe, unless we're talking about you know, y'all and your 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 your, your group of five. No, what do you mean y'all in our group? Of five? Y'all in your group of five. Coastal plays Kansas on Friday night. Hey, Kansas, baby. Lucas joked he was going to give Kansas his rose. I don't know if that's going to happen, but Kansas needs one more win to hit their over, baby. Their over-under was one and a half. They barely squeaked it out against South Dakota. We'll see what happens. Yeah, well, it ain't coming this week. No, probably not. Um, I I would say for Kansas, the next best opportunities, they're at Duke on the 25th of September. Yeah, Duke lost to Charlotte this week on the road last weekend. It was Charlotte's first win against a Power 5 team. Yeah, so there you go. That that, that they, they might hit too. All right, so let's talk about here, um, I think, again, my favorite part of the show, other than dumping on the Big 12, who I actively avoided talking about. You don't want to talk about any of the uh, Big 12 games? <laughs> no. Okay. The fact that they're like, they're like, we're losing Texas and Oklahoma, and we're going to invite BYU. And I'm like, nope. Nope, just just die. Just let it die. It's not going to die, bro. It's, it's happening. It's not going to die. The Big 12 is going to succeed in spite of me. What's funny is if, if the Big 12 adds those teams, right? I think it was BYU, Charlotte, UCF, and, and uh, Cincinnati. Are they that much worse than the Pac-12? Like, Iowa State's been better than any Pac, been on par with Oregon in terms of program tra- trajectory. And the rest of the league, is is it is what it is. 
the 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 fundamental thing in college football that nobody wants to say is there's four or five really elite teams and everybody else is just very good or average. Like, I'm sorry. You take Clemson out of the ACC, it is a mess, right? <laughs> the SEC's got a lot of really good teams. I get that. They also have some bad teams. Vanderbilt lost by 20 points to East Tennessee so, State. So I've, always, I've always paid this argument. I'm like, I've always said this with the, with the Pac-12, okay? Yes, the best four, three or four teams in the SEC are better than the best three, top three or four teams in the Pac-12. But can you honestly say five through 12 that the five through 12 SEC teams are better than the five through 12 in the Pac-12? Like, does Vanderbilt beat Oregon State? The bottom of the Pac-12, I are always argue, is one of the strongest bottoms of any team of any conference. You know, meaning like, you know, Oregon State's, your Washington State's before Mike Leach, like those programs are on par with the worst of any conference. The middle class, yeah, you know, how much better is Missouri than Utah or Missouri than Arizona State? Probably not a lot better. You know, now I think Florida is a lot better than Washington. Right, or you know, Florida. Well, a lot right. better you, talk than to t- you take the first four or five, te- like the first four teams. Let's say, let's say you take out of the SEC, you're going to take Alabama, Georgia, probably A and M in Florida, and A and M in Florida, and then you're going out of the Pac-12, you're going to take Oregon, Washington, Utah, USC, and ASU, USC, and whomever that fourth team is. But UCLA just beat LSU by ten points. Yeah. You know, um, Oregon's going to, yeah. You know, yeah. Auburn, you know, what does Auburn get you versus Utah? Utah or Arizona State? Like, I, again, don't know. So, yeah, you're right, though, when it comes to conferences. And then I think, by and large, the best conference top to bottom usually is the Big Ten. Like, but again, the Big Ten's very meaty in the middle. You know what I mean? So, we'll see. All right. It's very windy in the middle. We could, we like, could... like a lot of Big Ten athletes, media in the middle. I could be a Big Ten football player. All right. So, let me think. All right. Patrick just like slides that in. <laughs> I don't know, Ryan. If, if, you, if you played college football, what conference do you think you could play in? The Big Sky. <laughs> the Big Sky. Yeah. At running back. I, I, would, I, I would play in Montana, baby. It'd be the walk-on long snapper. At Long Snapper from Chandler, Arizona, for your Northern Arizona University Lumberjacks. Ryan Bethelugas, the Greek god of snaps. Okay, so enough of that. So uh, let's go to my favorite part of the show. Let's talk about roses this week. Um, We haven't been able to give out roses because nobody did nothing for the last six months. So let's give out some roses. Um, Do you want to go first? Yeah, so my rose, I'm going to go off off the board here. Um, I'm going to go to Ren Hefley, uh, the redshirt sophomore quarterback from from uh, Presbyterian College. Uh, Hefley set an FB, FCS record with 10 passing touchdowns in <laughs> Presbyterian's 84-43 victory over St. Andrews. Hefley led the Blue Hose offense with a <laughs> D1 record of 30 30- Eight because you know Presbyterian, you know Presbyterian, they love them blue hose. I'm gonna just gonna ignore you and keep reading here. Thirty-eight completions for five hundred and thirty-eight yards and ten touchdowns against some school named Saint Andrews. Eight different blue hose caught a touchdown pass. In total, they passed for six hundred twenty-seven yards. Which, by the way, <laughs> only second in the single-game D1 record book for Presbyterian. Um, so Ray Henley, uh, he gets my, uh, my rose for a record setting performance, uh, for Presbyterian college, Patrick. Sure. Um, so a couple of things, um, that's crazy. That's a lot of touchdowns. Okay. Isn't it crazy? So history lesson. Do you know why Presbyterian is called the blue hose? H O S E. I do not. So much like most sports names, they're not super creative. So according to Presbyterian in the early 1900s, yeah, this is, this is, this is game research, by the way, that I did. So you're welcome. <laughs> so, and the reason I, only reason I looked this up is because we were talking about this on Saturday. So the blue hose 
were actually the sports writers back in the early 1900s. Presbyterian College didn't have a mascot. Like football branding was not a thing. Um, so what sports writers did is they just started calling them the blue stockings because the socks their players wear. Well, sock stockings and of course hosiery are used interchangeably. Um, so they became the blue hose, much like we have the red stockings became the red socks, you know, that kind of thing. Ah. So I that's why they're the blue hose, like the blue hosiery. Like blue stockings. Yeah. I would have think blue stockings would have been better, but it's not. Yeah, to each their own. Yeah, right. Um, and their mascot is Scott the Scotsman. All right, Patty, who's getting your rose? Come on. Scotty the Scotsman. Okay, so my rose this week, I think, comes... Uh, this is not a rose based on performance, although he did do particularly well for the situation given, but this is a story of of really true perseverance. Um, this week, I am going to give my rose to relief quarterback of the Florida State Seminoles, Mackenzie Milton. That's a good one. Who came into relief after the starter was de-hatted, um, so he had to come out for a play. And then Florida State just decided to keep him in the game for that drive. Um, he went four for four with a touchdown in his drive. Now, for those of you who don't know the story of Mackenzie Milton, Mackenzie Milton had a severe leg injury almost, what, almost four years ago now? It was in, I believe it was 2017. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, it's been a long time. It's been over a thousand days since he played football. Um, 34 months of recovery, so just almost over three years. Um, in almost three years. And basically his right leg almost had to be amputated from injury. Um, he decided that, yeah, so he dislocated his knee, torn ligaments, nerve damage, suffered artery damage, which was the big thing. Um, so November 23rd, 2018, so almost three years ago. And what ended up happening is he came into the game. He went five for seven, 48 yards, came back to tie Notre Dame or came back to tie Notre Dame in that game. And, you know, he potentially, I mean, there's conversations that he could be starting this weekend after basically almost losing his leg to now starting a college for starting for a big college football program in the Florida state Seminoles. Um, Very similar to what Alex Smith suffered for the Washington football team a few years ago, where not only was it, problematic of all of these injuries infections problems that like you said he could have lost his leg and now he's back on the football field and actually played a decent game his arm looks like it's in pretty good shape um he put the ball on the money a couple times and it's really exciting that there is a sport like college like that that college football has the ability to give these guys extra time to recover so he can can come back and play and you know look great doing it so yeah, Milton. super cool story. Mackenzie Milton um, gets my super rose. Super cool story. Especially in primetime. Like, to do that in primetime, like, yeah. it had been one thing if, you know, this was a game on Fox Sports 1 where they kind of snuck him in, you know, very similar to the situation with um, Sarah Fuller when she kicked for Vanderbilt. Like, it was kind of like on an afternoon game where you kind of had to look for it. This was under the lights on Monday night where there wasn't anything else going on. And this kid just kind of comes in and is like, yeah. fuck it, we're doing it. Like... You know, so Mackenzie Milton, you get my rose and uh, we look forward to uh, wishing him all the success in the world. I really hope he does start this week and just kind of continues kind of this. I think regardless, I I think he'll play. So they play Jacksonville State. They should be hopefully comfortably ahead in the second half. So my, my, my guess is he would play even if he doesn't start and they will continue to kind of make a decision about who their quarterback should be. Which well, I, I and, think is an interesting conversation. Listening, listening to Brian Kelly after the game, he was like, actually, that two quarterback system kind of made the Notre Dame defense kind of weird. You know, they weren't able to. Well, think know, about it. Like you basically prepare for one guy for yeah. a week, two weeks, because they named the starter, I believe, earlier in the week. Right. Or at least for, reports came out that Travis was going to be the guy. They didn't officially name right. him until like an hour before the game. Right. But you're preparing for him, then you play him for three quarters, and all of a sudden this new guy comes in with a different skill set, and it's like, uh-oh. Uh-oh, Reggie. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Uh-oh. So, uh-oh. so yeah. So, like I said, all in all, it's good to, it's good to see him back. Um, I remember seeing that injury on SportsCenter um, after it happened, and, and leg knee injuries are always just kind of scary, like because you never know. So, 
but uh, yeah, so, oh yeah man yeah so yeah it's good to be back and yeah so go seminoles all right so those are our roses uh lucas will give his rose on the afternoon edition of the pod yeah it's gonna be the uh the evening edition the evening edition running for the roses after dark running for the roses. That's what we need to do. You and I need to hop on like midnight and just start talking college football. Just tired. Just get weird. <laughs> Pop an ambient and see what happens. Okay, okay. So that is that is everything for us as far as this week. Um, you guys will have the picks later. I will send you my picks for the week. Um, my picks did not go exceptionally well this week. Um, we are the 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 Ohio State line is still in review. Um, I gave it to you. you I gave it to me. You. You know why? Because Lucas had a bet of Ohio State minus 13 and a half. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think I should have given it to you. So you went undefeated. You're four and two. I'm four and two. Lucas is two and four. Yeah. Suck it, Lucas. You went, you went undefeated. Lucas has just been steady one and two each week. I've been two and one each week. You were one and two week zero. And then you were three and no last week because you won Texas, Georgia, and Ohio State. Ooh, ooh. Patrick picked really big names in college football and he won his bets. Yeah, Pat, yeah, Patrick's just like, all right, this week I've got Michigan, I've got Notre Dame, and I've got uh, USC. No, Patrick's like, I don't even need, I don't even need to look at the group of five or the Big Twelve. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta look at some, I gotta look at some games. I gotta, I gotta pick some games this week. Um, let's see, I don't know. I, I'll pick something interesting. Um, I thought this year what we should have done is we should have we should have done for our picks is we should start talking like suicide pools where you can only pick one team once. Yeah. But I don't like that rule because eventually we're gonna start being like, "Yo, is Murray State gonna up like like what?" By the way, I'd like to point out there is currently no line on the Murray State Cincinnati game. There was another line at Fanduel. I think it was the Michigan State game at Fanduel where the it was like locked. It was Michigan <laughs> State Youngstown State was locked. I was like, "What? Why is this locked? That's weird." Yeah, there's oh. there's some right, of these games. You. There's a, there's some of these games. There's just just not lines. They're like, yeah, no, that's not gonna happen. So, um, Colorado getting 17 points against Texas A&M. I don't know why you're looking at me. I'm not I'm not touching that one. <laughs> you're not touch. You're not gonna take Texas A&M minus 17 over Colorado. No, I've uh, I'm got. Uh, I am gonna take Iowa. Iowa's my upset. I'll just give that right now. Iowa minus plus four and a half is my upset. That's a good I line. Think they win that game flat out. I think. I think they win that game flat out. You think that they win that game outright? That's why I thought I about so. Georgia. Like that was part of my Georgia pick. I was like, I thought they were gonna win outright. So. Same. I I just picked them as my pick, not not my upset. Okay. Here's because uh, I was like, I just think Georgia's better. Here's, yeah. Just just dude, there's some really crazy lines. Uh, Eastern Michigan plus twenty six against Wisconsin. Give me Wisconsin. All right, so hit me with some weird lines. I need some weird lines. Okay, so we want some weird lines. Give me some weird lines that like nobody would take, but I just want to like I'll give you my gut reaction. Okay, let me see. I think I think Wisconsin would cover that. I think they're they're pissed off, and I think Wisconsin wins by like I think it's like a like a thirty-one to three or like a thirty-eight to like three game or something like that. Okay. Okay, so it's not a weird line, but I never like lines that are this close. South Carolina. Minus one and a half over East Carolina. Yeah, so this was a weird one. I saw this one too, and I said it's weird to see a Power Five team only favored by a point and a half, but it's on the road. Uh, I would take South Carolina. Take South Carolina plus one and a, or minus one and a half. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's see weird lines. It, just because it's big doesn't mean it's weird. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here's some here's some group of five reaction for you. Wyoming. Minus six and a half at Northern Illinois. Well, Northern Illinois just beat Georgia Tech last week. That was one of the big upsets. Um, Wyoming six and a half point favorites. Yep. Wyoming six minus six and a half on the road at Northern Illinois. Yeah, man, give me give me the Huskies. Give, give me the give Huskies me the, and the points. Hus- <laughs> give me them Huskies. The Huskies. Um, okay, so we love picking on this team because I picked on them. Week one, I think Lucas picked on him last week. Purdue minus thirty four points at UConn. Oh my god! I I would have to take Purdue. I'm gonna take the Huskies. I'm gonna take the Huskies in the points in this I one. Do not. I do not trust UConn to cover thirty four, man. 
Took a, I took a plus 27 and a half week one against Fresno State. Yeah, I took the minus 27 and a half Fresno State because I was like, yeah. yeah, they haven't played football in two years. Leave me alone. And now that they've had two blowout losses, you're like, I'm, I, I, okay. I'm all in. Okay, this is the team that you had indicated that might be the worst team in college football this year. Akron? Boston College oh, on the road, guess. minus 37 points at UMass Amherst. Hey, wh- so, first of all, why is Boston College playing on the road against UMass? Like, what are we doing, DC? <laughs> Come on. I mean, um, but also, to be fair, do you really think Boston College is playing on the road in Amherst? Like, it's Boston. It's Massachusetts. Right, right, it's like, right, right. I get it. It's like a, what, probably a 20-minute bus ride from their, something. their camp in, like, Ch- in, in Chestnut Hill. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, give me Boston College. What is it, 37 and a half? 37 even. Yeah, no, give me give me BC. Okay, BC. All right. Um, Nebraska. Minus 13 and a half against Buffalo in Lincoln. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a really tough one. I almost, almost knocked my mic over. <laughs> Nebraska getting 13 and a half against Buffalo. I'm going to take Buffalo. On that you one. take Buffalo plus I'll 13 Buffalo. and a half? All right. Yeah. If it, if it gets over 14, I'd be, I'd be very tempted to take Buffalo. You're like, yeah, right? Like, I don't know. As it slips closer to 10, because I think that's what would happen. Like, yeah, there's there's not a lot of lines on games this week. Like this line here, I I don't I'm a, I, I might pick this one because I think I'm gonna ride with them this week. Texas minus seven at Arkansas. I looked at that one. As I was well. like that I was like that's a I good line. That's a that's a that's a good. That could still be so. I need a lock for this week. That might be a that that's might a be good one line. I go with because I, I might roll with Arkansas. The- Arkansas was losing to Rice at halftime. And um, I, I just could see Texas winning that game by at least 10. So that's – I looked at that one as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a good line. I like that line a lot. Um, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. In Ricardo Silva Stadium of Miami, Florida, the Florida State International Panthers, I'm assuming, is what they are. Florida State is Florida, Florida International. Florida International. Florida International. Florida International. Florida International is it's a Florida State International. You can, you can either be a state or you can be international. You can't be both. Florida International is one and a half point favorites over Texas State. <laughs> Give me FIU, baby. <laughs> Give me the fight in Florida State International Panthers. Florida State International. I think they're the Panthers or the Cougars. They're some kind of cat. Uh, yeah, no, there's not. Like, like, they won't let me bet Ole Miss Austin P. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like the big FBS versus FCS games that ooh, you can't. Do. Ooh, I like this line. This was fun. This is fun. I like this line. Arizona is two point favorites over San Diego State with an over under of forty six and a half. I would take the under first of all. You gonna hammer that under? I might, and then. Uh... Although we we want the over because there's a sports book here in Arizona that's doing it's a, like you get a point for every point a team or a, a dollar for every point a team scores. Oh shit! Really? It's like Diamondbacks, ASU football, and U of A. So yeah, so and and the Cardinals. <laughs> um, I I'd probably still take San Diego State, but I I think that that could be that's a winnable game for U of A because San Diego State didn't look great in their yeah. opener. That's definitely a winnable game. First game at home under the new coach. I was like that. Then we get into some. Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh! This one's fun. I'm not. I'm not going anywhere near this line, but you can. Um, Oregon State minus eleven at home against the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. I would take Oregon State. I don't think. I don't think Hawaii is very good. And Oregon State, I actually think played pretty well. I caught some of the, that game against Purdue. I like what Jonathan Smith's doing there, so I would probably early. Would, would lean on for on uh, Oregon State, and then I I, I use I, I usually don't like to criticize betters here, but can we stop giving Arizona State lines of thirty or better? What is it? Thirty two now. Thirty three and a half points. By the way, over under in this game, and this is and this is why I'm like, no, I don't trust. Here's this the shit. thing, man. I don't trust the Here's shit. The so Arizona State minus thirty three and a half. The over under is only supposed to be fifty. It is only fifty three and a half. Like right. What? Well, well. So ASU covered by twenty seven against Southern Utah, and they scored fifty five points. 
basically you're saying we don't think UNLV is going to score a lot. Like we we're they're, they're expecting a 45 to three kind of a game. I could see that UNLV is really really bad, so I could see ASU winning a 45 to three kind of game. Um, here's one for you, buddy. Hmm. Vanderbilt and Colorado State, both teams lost to FCS teams last year. <laughs> Vanderbilt is going to Fort Collins. Colorado State's getting six and a half points. Colorado State or Van- look at you—you you can't see the face right now, but Patrick is like is is stressed. So <laughs> Van- Van- Vanderbilt getting six and a half on the road at Colorado State. <laughs> Not even a little bit, dude. Like, fuck. Um. <laughs> okay, so isn't that a crazy line? Yeah, Vanderbilt is is almost seven point underdogs at Colorado State when Colorado State lost to an FCS team. Like, I would okay. So I would I would take Vanderbilt in the points, just because I feel like both teams are just so bad that it's like this can be a three point victory either way. I'll take Vanderbilt in the points and just kind of pray. I would, I think I would agree with you on that one. I, like, I don't know. Vanderbilt lost by 20 to East Tennessee State. Yo, you hear something nuts? What? Okay, UTEP has got two wins. Okay. They're 2 0, baby. Let's two go. My, my fighting minors. They're on the road at Boise State, who's 0 1. Can I guess it? Yeah. I'm going to guess 14 and a half. Boise State minus 26. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Give me UTEP in the points. Like, That's crazy. That's interesting. That's, that's, that's people. That's people. Over- How tired are you to bet that? And then it's all, it's so. Uh, New Mexico State, they beat 30 to three. And then they, they just beat Bethune Cookman 28 or 38, 28. That's interesting. I don't know, man. First place in, in the amount uh, in the so so you, you know you might have a gambling problem when you're disappointed that Wake Forest, Norfolk, Norfolk State does not have a line on it as of current. <sighs> you're you're you were hoping to pound the Demon Deacons. Yeah, pound the Demon Deacons. You, yeah, Michigan State, Youngstown State, blacked out. Minnesota, Minnesota versus the Miami of Ohio at Minnesota. Uh, I'm going to guess Minnesota. I keep saying Illinois. Minnesota is a nine. No, it's long. It's bigger than that. 17 and a half. 20. That was close. Not bad. Three touchdown favorites. Yeah, this is, this, this, this is a, this is a, honestly, if you're betting this weekend, this is a bad weekend to do it. Good thing. This is the first weekend that sports betting is legal in Arizona. Right. And I would be using all them free, uh, free stuff. I get yeah, I don't know. I got to run, Patrick. Yeah. So, this has been fun. This is the morning yep. edition of Running for the Roses. We will have this up here momentarily. Um, we will have an afternoon edition as well where Lucas and Ryan talk about some overreactions and some underreactions for the first week yep. of college football. Like, is Texas back? You'll have to find out. Should, should they relegate the New York Jets and move Alabama into the NFL? Who knows? But you can find out on Running for the Roses, a Rose Bros production. For Ryan Bathalukas, I'm Patrick Patty Swags Wagner. Stay safe, stay cool, stay frosty. Have a good week.